0: I need to know everything, who in the what in the where I need everything Trust me, I hear what you're saying, but I like it's know what you're telling me I'm curious, George, I hop in the Porsche, five and a horse, I'm ready for war I'm coming for throws to turn to a ghost, I need to know everything Now you be surprised at the info you get is by letting them talk, so I'm
1: letting them talk Gotta keep quiet, maneuvering signs, to let them and chalk up their body Another one body, this is how it go I got some Hello and welcome, JK Plus One I am not your host, PTF. He's, he said he's at the pool today. He's swimming. Uh, yeah, I mean, what kind of bathing suit Pete wears? Never mind. That's not important. Uh, I am your host, Jonathan Kinchin. It is Whitney slash, well, it's, it's Whitney week. I guess the next week is sales week, but it's, it's all one weekend, right? Saturday, we've got Whitney. Whitney Sunday uh, is a day of, of health and wellness. You have to prepare yourself for what's to come on Monday. And that's uh, really the topic of this conversation. We're going to talk with uh, Boyd Browning and Evan Ferraro of Phasic Tipton about the Saratoga Select Yearling Sale that's coming up on Monday and Tuesday. We also touch a little bit on the New York bread sale that follows. Um, I always tell people, and they don't ever believe me, that are new to racing. If you've never been to the Saratoga Sale on that Monday and Tuesday, you are missing out. It's the who's who of racing. It's the who's who of stallions of broodmares, of owners, of trainers, the jockeys, media, everyone comes to the sale. Um, has a few adult beverages and watches it unfold. Watches horses go for millions of dollars, watches horses go for 750, 800 and uh, and also gets to get to see some of your favorite horses Uh, especially the female horses some of their offspring go through the ring and uh it's like i said it's it's my favorite it's my single favorite day of saratoga and 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 i mean like well at least socially my favorite day is probably whitney day or travers day because i love the racing on those two days but my single favorite day in saratoga throughout the meet is without a day the monday of the sale so um wanted to take the time to catch up with the fellas at FASIC to talk about what they had going on, uh, the history of the sale, so on and so forth. I want to thank our friends at Qatar Racing once again for their support of JK Plus One. And uh, and look, it's, it's uh, Caravelle around the corner, I think, for the Troy. Looking forward to that. And then also, um, I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, Sheikh Fahad and the team at Qatar Racing do at this sale. Uh, something tells me they're going to be a little bit involved. They were involved last year. Um, and, and, and look, we we know the damage they do overseas, and we're seeing the damage that they're now going to do here in the U.S. in terms of, of uh, creating uh, a, a pretty powerful operation. So I'll be looking forward to see what they do. We'll be looking uh, through those results to see uh, Qatar Racing uh, show up as signing some of those fun tickets. Um, let's get into it. Um, like I said, the, the boys from Phasing, Boyd Browning, Evan Ferraro. Boyd, Evan, what's going on, fellas?
0: What's happening, JK? Just getting ready to Boyd. head to Saratoga. You're looking forward to one of the best weeks of the year and, and very excited and can't wait to get up there, Jonathan.
1: Boyd, let's go, let's go titles real quick for the uninitiated. Boyd, your title at Phasic Tipton?
0: Uh, President and Chief Bottle Washer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Evan, your your title.
2: Uh, director of marketing and professional fixer
1: professional fixer i bet you have lots of uh, lots of fixes happening uh happening this week um boy how many how many saratoga sales is this for you
0: this will be my 34th i've been at phasic 35 years we had the infamous covid year so it'll be 35 minus one is 34 i believe evan how about you uh, this will be my fifteenth. Started in
2: 08 and took COVID year off, but I've been every year other than that.
0: And John, you know, is- for the record, I was twelve when I started. Okay, <laughs> just so that nobody makes it has any misunderstanding about my age. I was twelve. Okay. So in Kentucky,
1: <laughs> in Kentucky, they don't have a lot of uh, they don't have a lot of employment <laughs> regulations there, so they got you in early.
2: Started young, so, indeed. I was twenty six when I started, but I looked twelve.
1: well so for the uninitiated i'm I'm sure a lot of people that listen to this will be initiated but for the uninitiated um i always tell people that you know you know especially like you know i I was recently married so we have a bunch of people at the wedding that want to come to saratoga and i always say you got to come sale week and they're like what yeah you got to come sale week. you got to come because it's a whitney on saturday the test on saturday and then you got the sale on monday and they're like what's the sale and i always describe it as like It's this unbelievable cocktail party with all of the who's who in racing. There's rulers of countries. There's people who are betting $2 uh, on every horse to show. And it's the greatest mixture of people in racing. And they're buying million dollar horses and selling million dollar horses. And it's just the most fun thing that I think we have in this sport as an event. Um, I know you guys are really proud of that sale.
2: Uh, yeah, we do, you know, it's, 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 you know, this is the 102nd and it's, you know, our, been our flagship sale for a century and it's just a really special sale and a special place. We take so much pride in everything from the, the horses on the grounds to the way the grounds look and present to, uh, the service to just, it's important to us to put on a good show up there. It's the, it's, it's the best of racing and sales.
0: Yeah. And Jonathan, I think in, in many ways, it's also like, it's the, It's the reunion tour, uh, shall we say? I think that a lot of folks, you know, don't get to see each other as much during the year. You get to Saratoga. Everybody looks forward to going to Saratoga. And you get to renew friendships and acquaintances. And if you've got any love or affection or desire for the thoroughbred business, like when you get within the city limits, you can just feel the energy in the air, whether you're going to the sale, whether you're going to the races. You go into a restaurant and there's people talking about, you know, what do you like? Who won the feature? What do you think about that ride? Or, you know, it's just the, the whole community is immersed in a thoroughbred world for those 40 days of, of racing. And then it's intensified. It's kind of like you have the huge multiplier effect when everybody comes in for the sale. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's about five or six days of just nonstop action. Some of it is social for sure in terms of You know, there a few drinks will be served over the next uh, week or 10 days in Saratoga, but it really is about the horse. And that's kind of the cool thing. I think it getting to Saratoga, I think reinvigorates people, it re-energizes people. It, It gives you hope and it gives you, it's a feel good place. And, and we're just so proud to be a part of it. And, you know, I think it's, it's a huge part of our identity as a company and uh you know it's w- we love Saratoga
1: boyd Evan you guys will be heading up tomorrow some a little behind the scenes what what are some of the kind of uh the checkpoints for you guys over the next few days in terms of you know you get here you have a you, I'm sure you have a, a, a kind of a meeting and you talk and we got to do this and we got to make sure this is done what are what are some of the important checkpoints that you guys have over the next five or six days until Monday
0: Um, And I'll go first. I mean, honestly, Jonathan, at this stage of the game, we better damn well be like 99% prepared. Um, You know, the the facility looks fantastic. Uh, We've got a great guy in Saratoga on a full-time basis, Manny Hernandez and and Manuel. He just does a fantastic job with he and his crew and Isaac Wagner are up there, and they treat the place like it's their own house and their own yard. We bring in our facilities manager from Kentucky, David Kyle, who you know, runs, the two of them work hand in hand together to make sure everything runs smoothly. The horses basically are, you know, the catalog set. Um, you know, we know who's coming. We know, you know, you may have a few last minute defections. One does an x-ray or one may come down with colic or you always you know, have a few of those unpleasant surprises. But the reality is, is that, you know, between now and, and next Tuesday night, we just kind of are, we're kind of like firefighters. So, so you know, so, so something happens a horse pops uh, pops a gravel can we get a blacksmith there can we uh so-and-so's flight they missed their flight they missed their connection can we get somebody from new york city to saratoga so-and-so thought they needed three rooms and they four rooms uh can you get somebody extra seats in the pavilion i mean it's really it's, it's more just customer service side of things right now and the last minute surprises you can't ever anticipate everything uh but you know most of the die is cast, and you know what we now concentrate on is making sure that everybody that comes in contact with the sales facilities and the sales experience, we make that as positive as possible, make it as easy and comfortable for both buyers and sellers alike. Yeah, a lot of that is last minute just taking care of people
2: with the last minute details, making sure all our buyers are comfortable, the sellers are comfortable. Um, you know trying to get somebody into Salivo if we need to
1: stuff like that. <laughs> I know, I, I know somebody, I know somebody, <laughs> um, and you're, and you you know, in your 15 years and you're 35, what are some of like the, the week of obstacles you can remember, if you can think of anything kind of, uh, you know, having to get, having to drive down to the city to pick up a buyer or to, uh, what anything that, that stands out.
2: Um, there was one, uh, it was kind of funny. I've been with the company a couple of years, and uh, we were at the cocktail party, and I you know, already had maybe one or two and was settling in for the evening. But uh, And then I get a call that, um, to make a trip to the airport, to the private airport there in Saratoga. It was looking at Lucky. It just won the Haskell, and uh, Bob Baffert and his crew were flying in, so they asked me to go pick him up. So I pull onto this runway, and I'm in a a Kia that's probably seven years old, completely filthy, and was filthy when I picked it up in Albany. And I pull right up to the stairs. They're coming in in a fancy G5, and there's me in this dirty Kia. So that would be one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Jonathan, a little behind-the-scenes detail on that. So Evan is at the cocktail party and I say, Ev, I need you to do me a favor. Sure, no problem. What do you need me to do? I need you to go pick up Baffert and his crew at the airport. He looked at me like, you have got to be kidding me. He's like, I don't know. <laughs> you're, yeah, You're said, sober enough. He's like, I got a Kia. And I said, I don't give a damn what you're driving. You got to go get, do we want Baffert to sell or not? He's like, I'm on my way. So, Actually, the question was, are you
2: sober? And I said, Ish. Uh, um, we got him there dropped him off the zeros and it was all good
1: there you go that's all that matters you gotta you gotta have the big shooters there um of the 235 horses or hips that you have i know you guys have a couple of special or at least one special things i was talking to bobby flay about it um of those 235 hips what what's the process for creating that that special you know, Saratoga select yearlings list. What does that process look like? And, and when does that start?
2: Well, it honestly, it starts. I want to say it starts 365 days of the year. It starts after the sales over this year, but um, we really get into it. i um, probably in January going through lists of breeders and seeing what folks have and, and reaching out to people and starting to build up a rapport to, to see how their horses are going kind uh, of get a feel for what they think works and and then it starts to progress as we get into inspections in April and uh, from there a lot of it, it it's um, working with consigners and breeders and you know so many people that sell I mean, they're such pros I mean a lot of them know what they have and um, you know we've got guys that have been looking at horses for Saratoga for a long time and and know you know what works and and so it starts there. We do the farm inspections. There's some discussion, give and take, and it works through a process of five or six weeks from April to middle of May. I'm getting things finished up there, but um, it's uh, it's it's really it's about it works both ways because you want to get you want to have the right horses there. At the same time, you want it to work for everybody. So through the years, we've learned kind of when stuffs you know doesn't quite hit us hundred percent you know, we'll, we'll tell people like, we're not sure we got the right spot for you. Cause we won't, it's, it, it's, you know, you don't want to send somebody up there without the right horse and have them have a bad experience. Yeah. Would you have anything to add to that?
0: Yeah. I mean, literally Jonathan, like this year, we have our nomination process. People submit entries or nominations to ourselves. And we sort through a population of about 2,500 yearlings uh, that will be basically physically inspect probably ninety-five percent of them. They're not all pointing for Saratoga. Some will be pointing for the July sale and some will be pointing for the New York bread sale. But uh it's a pretty intense six weeks or so when you're visiting farms nonstop. Uh we'll have basically three teams going uh at any point in time doing the inspections. Uh but you you know what we're looking for is the best of the best. Um you know I think our reputation as far as the sales company For for many many years has been that we are like really confirmation physical type people. Uh, We want good individuals. We might forgive a little bit on the pedigree in certain instances, but they're going to be really good horses. Uh, And that's the thing. That's kind of our motto is that we want when when a buyer comes on the Saratoga sales grounds, you know, I want them to have a short list that's way too long. That they say you know they got to do second, third, fourth, fifth looks. To remove horses from their from their list because they keep seeing good one after good one after good one after good one and uh i think that you know we've got a really solid group of consigners that support us you know every every year we've got a we, we think we have a pretty good idea of what works at saratoga in terms of physicals and, and you always want to just get a combination of physicals and pedigrees diversity of pedigrees but you also want to have some some superstar pedigrees so that you know, when a man or woman comes on the Saratoga sales grounds, they're thinking, I want to buy the next flight line. I mean, plain and simple. Hey, how do we, you know, how do we have the, they're, they're coming to buy the the best of the best flight line. You know, this year in the inside front cover is, is a uh, songbird. You know, they were talking about career and life changing horses. And, and those are the kind of horses that we're trying to put in front of people to, to, to chase the dream. It's all about the big horse and it's all about finding the right horse and, That's what makes it so great is that no one knows. And regardless of your system, regardless of your approach, none of us have, you know, which one, none of us know who was going to be flight line at that sale. And none of us knew who was going to be songbird at that sale. And none of us knew who was going to be national treasure, going to win the Preakness that year. And, And that's what makes it so exciting and so fun is that you can kind of like, kind of like make your draft right now. And then you're going to get to watch them progress over the next three or four years. If you're a casual observer or somebody that's that's involved in the game.
1: Do you guys have like a cheat sheet where basically um, throughout the year, you know, when your, your select sale graduates are running. Cause I'm assuming that you're, 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 you're watching them. Like you almost like you own them. Um, You know, the other day, Evan texted me about a a half that was in a sale that ran um, you know, when I was on air, uh, the, 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 that New York bred for, for Brad Cox, I yeah. mean, how, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you guys watch these, these graduates, like, like you own the horses.
2: Yeah. I mean, I mean, we have a, we have a, uh, you know, we, uh, great stakes races. We know everything that's running. That's a graduate. We get, a, we get a sheet that tells us that around the country, but the truth of the matter is we're all such a bunch of racing and sales junkies that we're all going through the form all the way, all the time anyway. So we already know the stuff like in a maiden race we remember the horse we'll go look up our notes on it from saratoga things like that so um we do have some data that helps us in the great stakes but uh honestly we kind of keep close close tabs that
0: uh um probably not necessary at all times if some would say we're sickos jonathan because we kind (laughs) of live eat sleep drink just like you do i mean we're we're we, we you know it's my friends tell me that aren't in the horse business that we don't have a job or we don't have a career. We've got a lifestyle. And I think there's a whole lot of truth to that. I mean, like, you know, the you're, you're watching horses breeze in the morning and you're watching the races. You're, you know, on weekends, you might be, you know, the, the feature at California Del Mar this weekend will be at nine o'clock on Saturday night. it will be a great one. And I can promise you this, the bar at the cocktail party will be full of, a bunch of phasing people and a bunch of horse people that are junkies. Cause there's a great one. And we're damn sure going to be watching the grade one to see who wins the great one at Del Mar on Saturday night after being at the races all day and seeing horses on the grounds all day. Cause we're, we wouldn't, we wouldn't, we're engaged. It's a it's, it's, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. We probably got a pick five going too.
1: <laughs> of course. Boyd, how, 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 how do you handle uh, when you have a, a good customer that doesn't have the right horse. I mean, I, I'd, I'd imagine that at at times you get forced to kind of have to maybe jam one in there for them just to keep that relationship. How do you, how do you handle that? Does it happen often?
0: Our whole, everything we do is built on relationships. A hundred percent, 110%. Evan and everybody kind of gets tired of me probably preaching it's relationships. it's relationship, it's relationships. but it's the truth. Uh, and the way you deal with that is you tell the person, I don't think your horse works or we don't think your horse works. It's not the right horse to go to Saratoga. It's an expensive proposition to go up there and buy your horse back. And nobody likes to buy a horse back at any sale, regardless of where it takes place. And occasionally, but not very often, but very, very rarely. Somebody will say, I really, I think you guys are wrong. And I really, really, really believe in the horse. And I have w- watched this horse grow up and it's doing, it's going right. And, you know, depending on your relationship with the person, you sometimes you'll say, "Okay, I'm going to give you a shot. Don't be mad if it doesn't work. We don't feel good about it. I hope you're right, but we don't feel good about it. But it's all about it's it's about honest and open communication. Telling people the truth and hey, we screw up. I can promise you there's going to be horses that we didn't like that are going to sell later this year after the Saratoga sale that we're going to want to go throw up, that we turned them down or we didn't, we didn't push for them hard enough. We're going to be happy for the seller because ultimately everybody needs some success. But it's, uh, it's, it's just being honest. It's being truthful. Uh, we're not know-it-alls. We don't know what's going to happen. And horses change. We're looking at these horses in April for the most part. And the horses change over that next four months. Sometimes they go the right way. Sometimes they go the wrong way. So it's, it's just honest communication.
1: We, uh, you know, we always see after the sale's over, we always see, you know, Blood Horse will do the write-ups and TDN will do the write-ups of all the sales sale stats, this, uh, the average this, the average that, the median this, the median that, the high this, the high low, the low, the low. What, w- which stat I- is the most important to you, Boyd, and Evan as well, that, that that's the one that you look at first that you think really gives the best indicator of how your sale went and how the market's going?
0: You won't believe me when I tell you this, Jonathan, like for like at Saratoga, um, you know, we've got, obviously, you can, any, hell, anybody can go on, on our results page and you can track the results and see what the stats are and see how things are going and, and so forth during the sale itself from the, really from the very first hip number. After two hip numbers have sold, you can see what the average is. At Saratoga and in our November sale, I refuse to look at the stats during the sale itself. I, my job at that stage is to be involved and engaged with, with, with the sale process itself. And it sounds crazy, but mine's more of a gut instinct of how I measure the success of a sale. The one stat you want to maintain or control as best as you can is the RNA rate. Because as long as people are getting horses sold, and we have a pretty good idea from discussions and you know kind of what the range people are looking for in terms of the value of their horse. And when you're seeing people kind of squeak by on their reserves, it's like eh, it might be a little touchy tonight. Uh, when you see people, the consigners' reactions. When you see consigners like four horses in a row, them high-fiving each other after the horse goes through the ring, you know you're having a pretty good night. Um, it's it's so you know at the end of the night with a with a small catalog of 200 horses, a few big horses can really can kind of skew the statistics, particularly the average. So I don't really think that's the best overall number. Uh, R and A rate's important to me. The, the the average and median are important because that's what everybody gravitates to. It's the easy stat. It's kind of like looking at somebody's a baseball player's batting average, you know. But to really understand, you better you better study behind. You know, wh- when are you getting the hits? Are you getting the hits when you're down 12 runs in the eighth inning when they got their, you know the guy, last guy in the bullpen? Or are you are you are you a clutch player? We want to be clutch players in terms of of getting horses sold effectively for people all the time. Yeah, I think
2: it's a lot of it is uh, an intangible. I mean, a lot of it, truthfully, on the selling end is how many of your sellers have got smiling faces there at the end of the night. I mean, um, that'll give you a good uh, good gauge of how strong the market is.
0: Well, and the other thing you is, know, like, honestly, I, and this is <laughs> I don't know about when, when you're, when, when, when the people are bitching at you, you're not having a really good night. <laughs> and when, when there's not a whole lot of bitching, you're having a pretty good night. I mean, it's like, you know, we're, and we're engaged. I mean, I, we're easy to find before, during and after a sale. Um, so, and believe me, the people that we do business with are very willing to share their opinion, whether it's good or bad. Uh and but, but that's how we want it. Uh, but, but so it's, you know, as I said, you can kind of measure it by, by, by the feedback you're getting, which is oftentimes instantaneous. Yeah.
1: One, of, one of the things, so, you know, I've, I've, I've done some real estate in my days and, and, and I've always felt like, you know, where you get the, where you get the seller, if you, the seller has a realistic price, it, it, it gives everyone an opportunity to have some success, but sometimes you can't control an unrealistic seller's expectations. And I would imagine that you guys probably deal with that when it comes to the reserves. Tell, tell everyone listening, like I said, for the uninitiated, how, how does the reserve process work and and how do you manage expectations? Uh, because you're setting yourself up to get someone to be sad at the end of the night, if they put a ridiculous reserve on a horse.
2: Um. I mean, really a reserve, the best way to set reserves when you have all the information at in hand and uh, whether it's selling yearlings, you know who's looked at the horse multiple times, you know how much vet work they have. Um, and at that point in time, your seller to got a pretty good idea of how his horse vets for the most part. So that, and then from there, you decide kind of what your value of your horse is and, and set your reserve accordingly. Um, and you know like in say the november sale uh when you're selling or like you know breeding stock horses off the track things like that they're uh they stick to their appraisals on paper for the most part so uh, like we've got a pretty good idea where we feel horses should be selling in that sale and from there it's just trying to get on the same page with the seller and manage expectations and just try to make sure that everybody succeeds
0: Yeah. And and JK, that's one of the the challenges is that, you know, from our perspective, and I think from a good seller's perspective, your reserve shouldn't be one bid below the maximum price you're willing to take. It should be like, you know, two thirds, 75%, because you are a hundred percent. Right. You've been enough options, whether it's horses or real estate, that getting people engaged is it's so important because then they have a kind of an emotional commitment to the process. So you want to give people the opportunity to bid, uh, you know. Once again, it's, it goes back to setting reserve. is kind of like on it's the back end of the of the sales process. You tell people the truth. You tell them what you kind of think their horse is worth. The good news at a sale like Saratoga is that the the, the agents and the, the consigners that are up there are across the board one hundred percent pros. Uh, it's not amateur hour at Saratoga. When that, that's that's major leagues. That's the all stars. So you get a lot of they know the the consigners know what they're doing and communicate that information to the owners uh, pretty relevantly. And at the end of the day, a man or woman's got a right to set the reserve wherever they think is appropriate. And you can give them the best advice that you can. And you ultimately they have that really the ability to, to set that reserve. You can encourage them. You can try to advise them. Uh, and you know, there's been times when, you know, there, there's nothing that can make you look dumber than trying to appraise horses. Um, you know, uh, we had a horse sale in November many, many years ago where uh, she brought $10 million named Hob to Grace. And Mr. Porter and I argued for a day before she was selling what the reserve was going to be. Uh, and he was saying I want like, I want $6 million for and I was like, that's not fair. Anybody who bids five million dollars ought to be able to buy your horse. And we went literally. Rick and I were good friends, and and so forth. So, literally, about four o'clock that afternoon, we we had argued and kind of bitched at each other all day long. He called me and said, "All right, I'm coming over here. I'm setting my reserve with with made And he's like, "Okay, what are you going to do?" And he's like, "You've told me anybody who bids five million dollars is going to it sh- should have the right to buy Hobda Great." I was like, "Yeah, yes, yeah, sir, yeah." And he's like, well, she's worth more than that. I said, I'm not arguing that, but but you know, five million is a lot of money. And he said, you know, I've listened to you whine and complain for three days. I'm setting the reserve at and I was like, oh, God, here it comes. He said like $4,499,000. I'm just because you I just don't want to hear you whine. So she brings $10 million. And, uh, you know, it's pretty emotional. I mean, it's not very often you get to sell a horse for $10 million. And I said, Rick was my friend and we had a very good relationship. And so we're, we're hugging after the horse sales. And he looked at me and he said, I'm going to tell the press, I'm going to tell everybody I know you're the worst damn appraiser of a horse I've ever met in my life. So, <laughs> it's, like, it's like, fair enough. And aren't you glad I missed on the right side rather than the wrong side? So, but it's,
1: you, you know what's funny to that point though, Boyd, is that <clears throat> what I think sometimes, and that I know you guys have to deal with, is the emotional connection to the horse. Because you're not having that emotional connection. You're telling him that Having a reserve at seven or eight million is not a smart business decision for him. And he is telling you that my horse is worth more than this because she's made me cry 17 times on the racetrack. And there's a difference between the emotional connection, which happens in real estate too. People fall in love with their house. Well, my, my kids were born here. Yeah, but the people that are buying it don't care. And, and so it's not, nec- it's not necessarily that you're a bad appraiser of the horse. You were just giving him advice that he didn't want to hear because of his emotional connection.
0: Uh, thank you for giving me the caveat. I think I did a really poor job of appraising her value, uh, but no, you are right. And 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 oftentimes, I mean, so, uh, the really good horses are in many ways kind of like someone's children. Particularly, you know, if they've raced the horse and you're selling out of the mare, or they've got a, it, it's 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 personal to them. And and you are right. You try to. Once again, it goes back to communication. I and mean, it sounds like a beating a dead horse, but you try to give them the best advice that you can. And say, if I owned her, here's him or her, here's what I would do. But, you know, you've got the ability to do whatever the hell you want to do. So we'll do the very best job that we can for you.
1: And, and one of the things that I picked up when, when hanging out at the Timonium sale, when, when we did that uh, video together with the Hennigan brothers, one of the things that, that uh, someone told me that I thought was like a really good line is that this, this part of the industry is so tricky because if a horse sells for a million dollars, there is one person – in this world, who feels like that horse is worth a million dollars, but yet that's the final number we have in our brain as what the horse's value is. While everyone else in the world did not think the horse was worth a million dollars, only one person did, yeah.
0: And hopefully, two did work. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, the other one thought the horse was worth 900 or 950. So, but yeah, you, I mean, and it's subjective. I mean, that's the thing that's impossible to judge particularly like at a yearling sale or a two-year-old sale is like you're it's all based on potential uh and that's why you know that's the great thing about it's like the nfl draft i mean tom brady might be whether you're a brady lover or a hater he might be the one of the best all-time he is one of the best all-time players in the nfl he was a sixth round draft pick i mean who, we, we don't know you never know you can't measure the the want to in a horse you can't measure the want to in a human so uh, what makes it great are, are the
1: orders of the hips strategic or is there a lot more randomness to it or do you guys sit there and really like with a whiteboard and say let's go here with one no let's move that one to ten let's go here with how does that how does that uh, how does that order come to come to be
0: alphabetical by damn draw a letter out of the hat there it is yeah start yeah. this year the Saratoga sale with the letter. I'm pulling out the catalog. I think it's a B. Is oh, is four? it a
1: random number that you start with, or is there just no A? Damn.
0: Well, no. We drew B out of the hat. So okay. it so A yeah. will be at the end. So we'll
2: start with the Bs and come back to the A's. Yeah. Yeah. The last
0: horse in the first horse in the ring is out of Baby Go Far, and the last horse in the ring is out of Azalea Bell. And next year we'll draw another letter out of the hat and we'll spin it from there. <laughs>
1: How many how many how many emails or texts or calls did you field when the the catalog was released where people didn't like where they were or do they just kind of know that that's how it is
0: I had one <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was not very pleasant but I mean like what I mean like you can't somebody's got to be early and somebody's got to be late and that's why you try to do it fairly and you know that's how that—that's the process. And everybody can't be, quote unquote, right in the middle of the catalog. The one thing that we can try to do, and I think all the sales companies try to do, is you try to make sure that you know you've done a lot of promotion on the front end, and that stew buyers are ready. Well, you know, Cot Campbell when he was at Dogwood was one of the great horse buyers that I've ever met in my life. Because Cot would sit there, whether it was a phasic sale or any other sales company sale. And I'll bet you 75% of his purchases during his career at at Dogwood were within the first hour of a sale. Because Cot would say, I'm ready to go. I know what I think the horses are worth. I don't give a damn what anybody else thinks. And if there's any hesitancy, I'm going to buy these horses. And bought tons of really good horses. He also was more... Willing to take to bid on a horse with a mine, what he viewed as a minor problem that the vets might not live with, um, and was 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 a brilliant horse buyer because he trusted himself, he trusted his instincts, and I think that the good news is that we've got a very professional buying bench these days, and if their favorite horse in the sales, hip number two, they're they're ready to play ball when hip number two walks in the ring, and they're going to go to the mat.
2: Yeah, especially a like Saratoga with a limited number of offerings. I mean. I mean, every, it's not like you're sitting there waiting for another thousand to come down the line. I think everybody's pretty ready to go and settled on what they want to shop for, even if they fall early.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would, I would, th- would kind of compare it a little bit to like, uh, you know, uh, I get this question a lot, like a, a handicapping contest, like the breeders cup betting challenge, where you've got, you know, 14 races on Friday or 13 races on Friday and 14 on Saturday to pick from. And you could, you, where's the, where do you make the move? And and I think that I always tell people you just got to identify what you like, what you love, and it doesn't matter if it's the first race or the last. And you just you 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 build your strategy around that. Is is I'm sure people ask you guys all the time. You know, hey, look, I, I've got I've got a million dollars. I, I want to try to get away with two of them here. What's kind of what's what's the strategy you recommend I do to to kind of make sure I can I, I can accomplish that?
0: You're giving us way too much credit because they very few people. On the buy side, want to play any cards, uh, and everybody's got their own methodology and their own approach. So, you know, once again, it goes back to the stylistic approach that they've got. Um, the good news is, as I said, I think, and Evan said, you got you got buyers today that have confidence in the legwork, the preparation they've done. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure there's any quote unquote strategy other than you. You better. If one kind if you love one, you try to buy it. And if you don't love one, don't try to buy it. Even if it falls to a price that you think it's a bargain, because if you don't love it, you don't feel good when you, the, day, the second the hammer falls, you better feel good about the horse that you bought. Um, and, and so generally speaking.
1: Boy, you, you mentioned Cock Campbell, and it kind of made me think of a question that, that, that I would ask you. This podcast is supposed to be as if we're sitting around having beers, even though, I mean, I wish I was I I'm I'm off today I know you guys are working um but and I know that it's tricky to kind of talk about current uh bloodstock agents current owners um because of the relationships you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings but kind of some of the some some of the older uh maybe people that are kind of out of the game now whether it's retirement or they've moved on who are some of the highlights the superlatives of like of just uh, great horse flesh or buyers or owners you, you mentioned Cot. some of your favorite bloodstock agents that that uh, you thought were just outstanding that maybe aren't involved anymore so you don't have to worry about hurting anybody's feelings
0: well i'm nice glad chase. you gave, glad you gave me that caveat because i was going to say there's no way in the world i'm going to touch this question with a 10-foot pole uh, <laughs> there's no shot you know i think it's it, the game has evolved um you know, and, and I will say this. I mean, I'm actually going to mention somebody who's still engaged, that in my mind, Wayne Lucas changed the buying patterns of horses at thoroughbred auctions. He changed the game. Uh, Wayne Wayne came in and was, a, was really buying great physicals with with enough pedigree and was, was, has, has and has supreme confidence in his ability to, to pick out a horse and to train a horse. Uh, and, and, and really did transform the nature of what happens at an auction because of his, um, his great confidence and his great salesmanship. I mean, you know, when, when Wayne buys a horse, you know, he, he thinks it's going to win the Kentucky Derby or the Kentucky Oaks or the Breeders' Cup and uh, identified those types of horses. So, I mean, I literally think that that Wayne changed the, the auction process during my, during my career at Phasic at, at tipton you know, there was, a, you know, I mentioned Cot, you know, on an international basis, a guy like, and actually was mentioned in the, the TDN article today by Bobby Flake. James Delahook was a, was a really astute and unbelievable horseman uh, that really kind of understood buying, understood horses from all over the world. Uh, that's one of the things that I really admire about some of the international participants is I think I work pretty on hard. Uh, my wife would say I work too hard and I really spend basically 95% of my time rightly or wrongly focused on North American racing. And yet we see some people in the game today that it's become an international game that have great knowledge of North American racing, European racing, Australian racing, Japanese racing. And it just kind of blows my mind that their capacity to be, you know, proficient and effective in, in four major marketplaces around the world, I just I just admire that that ability uh, because I you know as I said I spend ninety five percent of my time on on North America um, so it's it, that's you know that's one of those things it's you know it's, it's it's easy to forget and you know you ask that question I thought well you know hell I'll be able to rattle off like four or five names um, that come to mind and you really <laughs> I'm so focused on the, on the current activities and the current buyers. I'm struggling a little bit, Jonathan, to give you too many other names.
2: Uh, I'll give you one uh, who Boyd is very good friends with as well, Buzz Chase. Yeah, he, Buzz. Uh, he's, he's been passed away, shoot, probably over 10 years now. Um, he was just a great guy. He was really kind to me when I started out. And uh, so he bought – you know, years ago he bought Unbridled Song – up in Saratoga and a couple of things that he said that were interesting to me were, he would talk about a horse, like the way it looked when it came in the back ring, like, like unbrowd song kind of almost like he filled up with air and he was on his toes just a little bit. He said he liked that little bit of edge where it almost looked like they were a little nervous even, but, but not quite to that level. He just thought that it was just a little bit of an athletic kind of feel to him. And like another thing he used to do, he used to sit here at the October sale where, we, where our tent set up back in the day, it was like there were four tents with a big courtyard in the middle. It was instead of in a rows like they are now. And he would just sit there, you know, on a, on a seat or a, or a bale of straw and just watch horses that were out across this giant field. And, you know, they would be, they would be you know, 75 feet away from him. But he saw so much from just sitting there and seeing horses from far away and he'd get a feel for the horse with presence and things like that. And then he would walk over there and look at them. So it wasn't necessarily just going through every horse in the back or marking catalog pages. He just sat back there and watched until
0: he saw something he liked. Yeah, Good horse buyers, great horse buyers have a gift. It's a sixth sense. Um, I don't know how to explain it. I don't, I mean, I, hell, I wish I had it. If I had it, you'd be interviewing me like before, before my horse was going to run in the, in the Whitney on Saturday rather than over there hustling. Um, but it's, it's that innate confidence. It's that innate ability. Same thing with you, Jonathan, you can try to hand, Like, why do you, you can sometimes try to rationalize why you like a horse in the eighth. but part of it's just like, I don't, it's, I, I just do, I can't explain it. It feels right. Um, I think that's, I think that's a trait that really has goes across all industries and all and all things. Why so and so a great coach? Why did you make that move? And I don't know. It just it just seemed like the right thing to do. You talk to a political guy, like why did you do that? Was it was going against the the, the the popular opinion. I just I felt like it was the right thing. I mean, there's that there's that innate ability to make a decision and to stick by your guns that I think makes really good horse buyers really good horse buyers more successful than everybody else. One thing I, I think is kind of proven: if you get thirty-eight people involved in the process in a committee, your chances of success diminish.
1: Oh, I, I can I can imagine. You know, you see it happening. There's 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 a lot of cooks in the kitchen um, at times, and I've I've seen that. Um, you got to have someone who makes the final decision.
0: Absolutely right. The buck's got to stop somewhere.
1: Yeah, it's it's like it's it, you guys you talk about playing betting all the time. You can talk about that that pick 5 at Del Mar, you're going to be alive for on Saturday night at the cocktail party. One person has to kind of make the final decision because if you let everyone put in a couple of horses, next thing you know, you're all 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 and uh, it, it doesn't really work that way. You got to have somebody that's going to crack some eggs.
2: Yeah, you got to make a call.
1: Somewhere. I can help you guys if you need any help, just let me know. Yeah, okay.
0: So you're in for a quarter. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Um, all right, so let's let's talk a little bit about uh, let's talk a little bit about what's what's what we got coming up here. So let's let's go through the logistics. Uh, let's go with start time, start time, uh, start time. There's not a stop time until I know you stop when you stop on Monday and Tuesday, and then the New York Bread Sale, which is another sneaky one that's very fun to go to if you're going to be up here in Saratoga. What are the dates? And then we'll kind of get into some of the fun horses we're looking forward to. Uh,
2: the Saratoga Sale is.
1: This month. Oh, do we lose Evan? Where'd Ev go? Call there, we man. lost him. Yeah. All I right. Go, you, we, we lost you for a second, Evan. You're, you're back. Go back to Monday. You start back at Monday.
2: Okay. Uh, so the Saratoga sale takes place Monday and Tuesday, beginning at 6 p.m. on our grounds there in the Humphrey S. Finney Pavilion. Horses will begin being shown on Friday. Uh, So there's, you know, three days of inspections, essentially. Some people wait till Saturday to start showing, but a good amount show Friday. Um, And we'll sell about 119 a night cataloged. And then the New York bread sale will be the following Sunday and Monday with uh, horses begun being shown uh, pretty much Friday. We take between the two sales. Our crew's got to go through and get all the stalls turned over and get ready for the second sale. So there's a couple days in between there. Um, anything? To think and the, anything New York sale, the, the New York bread
1: sale—the New York bread sale is during the day. Am I right?
2: Uh, Sunday. The Sunday session is in the evening, so that's, that that okay.
1: starts at seven PM, and then
2: we start during the day the next day at noon.
1: Beautiful. I, I remember I came over there on a Monday. Uh, I came over on the the second day that during the day, and 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 uh, and had an adult beverage and and watched a friend buy a buy a New York bread. That was a lot of fun as well. Um, yeah, New York West is still
2: great, you know. It's, it's, it's a little more laid back than the main sale, but it's a great sale,
1: yeah. It's still a lot of fun. All right, so let's talk about the, the, the Monday, Tuesday, the select sale. What, uh, and I know that you know, I know that you guys are just relaying to me what you're hearing, not so much your opinion but just what you're hearing and, and the, what the buzz horses are and, and who are the horses that, uh, if you're at the sale, you want to make sure you're looking at the TV when these hips are running through. Some of the fun pedigrees, some of the, some of the champion mamas, some of the first cro- crop stallions. Uh, let us know some, some fun numbers that we can keep an eye on throughout the, the, the two days of the sale.
0: We love them all, Jonathan. We love them all. <laughs> <laughs> Any and all of them have the potential to be future champions, and that is the truth um so you know you're into this slippery slope where we got to be careful here um uh, because it's it, it, you know we, we believe it or not we haven't seen most of these horses in the last 75 days and the consigners all love i mean they're in sales mode which as they should be they're telling you how great all their horses are doing i've got eight of the best horses i've ever sent to a sale i've got 10 of the best horses everything's going great okay cool understand so we'll have a better idea of kind of the buzz horses uh, who we love, again, when we, when we get on the sales grounds and go through the horses ourselves over the weekend or when the team goes through the horses. I don't go through the horses. Uh, I got, we got people who know a hell of a lot more about horses confirmation and confirmation on the grounds than me. Uh, but clearly the one horse that, that kind of has attracted the most initial attention is the first yearling out of Beholder, to, to go to public auction, uh, he's hip number one sixty five, a curling colt out of Beholder. Uh, I think I was reading somewhere, but you know, like the number of champions, you know, in in the pedigree, or the, the horses that curling sired that are champions, and the Beholder himself herself, I think won like four championships. Uh, he's a lovely, lovely colt, and obviously uh, just a an amazing pedigree. So. It's the first, as I said, it's the first beholder baby that they've sold, and I think he's probably got the most pre-sale attention. Doesn't mean he's going to be the uh, most expensive. Doesn't mean he can't be the most expensive, Uh, but he's probably got, just from a general public standpoint, would be the most, you know, quote, unquote, interesting offering. You know, one of the things that we really do try to do, and I think we're, we're, we're really proud of this year, is just, like, the diversity of stallions. We've got over 50 stallions represented in the catalog. Uh, there's a you know really interesting and fun crop of freshman sires. We've got 13 new stallions uh, that have yearlings in in the sale. Uh, we've got yearlings by literally all the leading sires. Uh, you know, end of mischief, tap it. Not this time. I'm going to get in trouble because I'm going to leave some of them. But you literally go through the top 15 leading stallions and. We've basically got them all represented with, with strong numbers. And the one thing I think is really encouraging to for, for all of us is like the first crop of three-year-olds this year is you've got some stallions that are really – got Good Magic who's got, you know, obviously the Derby winner in his first crop. you got a horse like Justify who has exploded in the last, you know, 45, 60 days. you got a horse like Bolt D'Oro who's just consistently getting – you know, really top end runners, just like those three just are, have just like kind of bubbled to the top of those second crop sires. But to have horses of that caliber kind of like you say, like, how are we gonna ever replace Tappen? And not that he's not I mean he's having another brilliant year, but it is amazing how the shoes seem to get filled by by new horses that come along and, and the cream rises to the crop. You don't ever know where the cream's gonna come from, but uh, we're really I mean it's a great catalog. Lots of you know tremendous producers and the uh, and tremendous producers and tremendous racehorses on the female side. So it's a, it it I, I arguably it might be the best catalog that we've had in my 35 years at Phasic Tipton.
2: Yeah, I would say the 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 strength of the pedigrees and producers is especially significant this year. Um, you know, just siblings to Grade One winners. I mean, we've got siblings to Sipican Harbor, or Caledonia Road. Uh, count again, Verrazano, Leafric, nickname Hunter O'Reilly, improbable, Rockfall, Shamrock Rose, Princess of Silmar, Silver State, you know, Pizza Bianca, Casa Creed. I mean, those are serious horses. And, and you know, as far as uh, out of the good mares, other than Beholder, I mean, we've got you know polls out of like Icon Project, Love the Way You Are, Pal the Queen, Rachel Valentina, Separation of Power, Yellow Agate, all Grade One winners themselves. So. I mean, and, and that's just at that level. So, I mean, there's siblings to, you know, 120-plus stakes horses in here. So, I mean, it's, you're not necessarily just taking a flyer because these mares have already proven themselves.
1: Talk a little bit about, uh, you know, Bobby had mentioned it to me, uh, Flay, about the not-this-time share. What, what hip is, is what quote-unquote hip is that?
0: Uh, we haven't been assigned an official hip yet because we're trying to, work through the accounting side on our end. It's going to be the first hit lot, etc., cetera, that goes through the ring on Tuesday night. Uh, it's a great opportunity. I mean, he's off to an amazing start at Stud. Not this time is. The thing that's really cool about him that I find really interesting about not this time is he's got fillies that run. He's got colts that run. He's got horses that run on the dirt. He's got horses that run on the grass. He's got precocious horses in terms of going six furlongs horse that won the mile and three quarters at Saratoga next the other day going long. I mean, he's really, a, he kind of, you hate to use the term, but everybody does. He ticks all the boxes in terms of producing, you know, graded highest quality horses, fillies and colts, dirt and grass, short and long. When you kind of like, okay, well we've got them all ticked. So, uh, but it's going to be offered, uh, on Tuesday night. Um, you know, the, the Taylor may guys have all the information in terms of the details about the syndicate and so forth, but a really kind of cool aspect and we're excited to have that opportunity.
1: Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of, uh, red tape and legal stuff. I won't ask you guys to explain how that share works. Like you mentioned, if you have any questions, you can reach out to the guys at Taylor made about exactly what the share looks like. But, uh, it's, 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 it seems like a really fun opportunity for people that, that play in that, in those waters and play in the, in that, uh, play in that game. Um, talk a little bit about the process of sales night for you guys. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you still, still are firefighters that night running around putting out fires. Um, Boyd, I've seen you. I, I, every time I look up, your nose is in the catalog and you're focusing on what is happening. Um, so I'm assuming you're just paying attention to to figure out, you know, just to keep a feel for what's going on.
0: Yeah, literally, like someone says, like, what do I do during a sale? And I say, if things go perfectly, I do absolutely nothing. And that's, I mean, like that's, I mean, if things go perfect, I have no responsibilities on sale night. Um, and whatever can go wrong, I'm afraid that we we could list the things that can have happened. that can go wrong at a sale. And we're not going to go into there. I learned many, many years ago not to say, Oh my God, what else can go wrong? Because the list is is, is infinite. Uh from weather. I mean, that's literally one of the biggest, you know, you work about, you know, weather. It was not that long ago we had to like literally stop the New York bread sale on a Saturday night when it was on a, it used to be Saturday, Sunday. And because a tree fell, the lightning, it was raining so hard. We had literally we stopped selling after like the third hit. Yeah, and we had New to season. pull it, we had to pull a tree off a of barn. Yeah. We call a timeout. Uh, one of the greatest nights of Saratoga sale history was probably 20 years ago. And I don't have the exact year, but literally huge storm rolled through Saratoga. And everything, all the power was knocked out in Saratoga, including on the sales grounds. But fortunately, somebody not me had had the foresight to, to base. we have a backup generator, and the backup generator kicked on like boom, like within 30 seconds at the start of the sale. It was 100, it felt like it was 100 degrees and 100% humidity, and everybody had to be inside the pavilion. It was miserable, but it was the most electric night, no pun intended, of selling horses that I've ever seen because everybody was concentrated, and they, hell, they couldn't leave. It was raining so hard and so nasty outside, but people were saying that, that there was pictures of flying over Saratoga, total darkness, except for like the pavilion lit up with the temporary or the backup lights, which was... You know that was really a cool night because said, it said was, it was an unbelievable night of sales but that's when you know this the the things that you would do in advance to try to prevent disasters worked the, the lights came on the backup generator came on and you know we, we were able to continue the sale and it went off flawlessly so those are things that kind of make you proud of you know the all the unsung heroes that go into every damn sale that you do uh you know, I go talk to the press after the sale and, you know, everybody says, ah, great job, great job, great job. Well, you know, like they're at Saratoga this year involved in the process and actually on the grounds. I and mean, we'll have over 50 people involved from bid spotters to auctioneers, to ticket runners, to sales staff, to maintenance, to the, the, the man like literally scooping horses. I mean, like, you know, horses are going to they're going to poop. And they're going. You know, somebody's got to be the scoop man. And there's, you know, the the number of, of people that are involved in, in making that sell a sell go is is really infinite. But the the what makes it really fun for us or not? It's fun. It's just like the pride that people take in what they do. I mean, it's like you know we have, uh, you know, Monday and Tuesday are, are, are we go back to back play Super Bowl Sunday Monday night play Super Bowl Tuesday night, and everybody involved on our staff is like. Uh, not 100% engaged, it's like 110% engaged and committed to to making sure everybody does everything humanly possible to make sure the horses sell great and people have a great experience. And and that's kind of the cool thing about it is just seeing how, you know, how much people care.
1: Well, the the last one I wanted to end with, just because I think it's one of the most interesting ones, is the, the, the auctioneer and the bid spotters. I mean, obviously, so much of what is accomplished is on their shoulders um, through, you know, being exciting and, 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 and finding the right time to, to give it a beat and let it breathe. And, 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 and the bid spotters being enthusiastic to, to, to engage uh, the, the buyer into to, to going one more time. And uh, how much of that, boy, do, do you guys communicate about in terms of, you know, make sure they're on, make sure you're this, let's do this. If this happens, do this strategic wise or is it just you just kind of leave it in their hands as professionals
0: you know jonathan i think it's like it when you have when you've got a great team uh and i think we've got the best auction team in the world they're professionals they this this isn't something they do on a part-time basis or just happenstance i mean they're the best of the best whether it's the auctioneers or whether it's the bid spotters and they they you know and it once again it kind of goes back to that sixth sense if you're a bid spotter there's certain people that kind of want to make a show about bidding and be engaged and be very visible. There's others that want to be really, really discreet. And for the person who wants to be discreet, you have to respect that for the person who wants to make a show, you help them make a show. You help them be the star of the star of that section. Um, no, no. And they know it's the Super Bowl. I mean, hell they're black tie. They know, I mean, they know what Saratoga means to us and, um, you know, when you got when you got a Hall of Fame rider on a horse, you don't give them a whole lot of instructions. Um, I'll just tell them, boys and girls, work hard, do the very best you can, and uh, let's have a, let's have two great nights of sales. That's the that's my coaching is, you know, do all you can really do. at the all you ask people, and all you ask of your of yourself is to do the very best that you can, and just to 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 be engaged, to be prepared, and you know, it's all you can do. And, and the good news is, is I don't have to give any speeches. I don't have to do it. Nobody wants to listen to my bullshit speech anyway. They're thinking, (laughs) would you shut up? Let us go do our job. And the good news is, is that, um, we've got people that, uh, that go do their jobs very efficiently and effectively.
1: Uh, Evan, if, if, if somebody is not aware, uh, and they want to get involved, uh, what's the best way to, to reach out to to get cleared up to make sure they can they can participate financially? Can they shoot an email? Can they shoot a text? Who, who, who should we reach out to?
2: Oh, yeah. So, I mean, on our website, we've got uh, credit applications and directions on what to do. So uh, you can fill out one of those. We can connect you with Joe Smith, our CFO, and uh, just tell us how much credit you'd like to take out, and we'll take it from there and get everybody lined up. One person that well, didn't have credit once, though, so, was my first year at Saratoga. There was a gentleman that worked on the grounds crew at Naira that uh, might have been a bit overserved and found himself the owner of a seven figure King Mambo filly <laughs> with zero credit. And I, I was still an intern and I knew how much Boyd was devoted to the sales process when this guy pulled a runner. And I saw him in a full suit do a four five forty down East Avenue to get there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I oh caught my. him too, J.K. <laughs>
1: what what do you even do in that situation? I mean, he, he doesn't have seven figures.
0: <laughs> well, it, that was one of those instances where it was so you knew it didn't make any sense, and the bidding was not right. It went like a hundred, hundred fifty thousand, two hundred, two fifty, and some jackass raises his hand as a million dollars. <laughs> And, a, you know, once in a thousand times, you know, somebody will jump the bit or they'll open a the bit at a really high level. And it just didn't – it wasn't right. And then, you know, so the, literally the, the hammer falls and doesn't feel right. I'm standing upstairs, and it was like something's terribly askew here. And the guy's like we kind of r- runs out the side door there like, at the pavilion. And it was like, oh, shit. So, um, <laughs> We We've seen not, it all. We we caught the guy. He's like, I'm sorry. I didn't know what I was doing. You're like, oh, God. He's drunk. Um, brought the horse back to the ring and uh, sold pretty daggone well. You talked you talk to the owner, the consignor. He knew something. The owner knew something was wrong. Uh, and fortunately, uh, uh horse came back to the ring and sold very, very well. But that's why I say you don't know, no ever ask what else can go wrong because – you don't want to know.
2: Uh, it's, uh, it's, don't end up like that, guy. Establish
1: credit. No, no, no. And it's the funny part about that. On our way out here, I was going to tell the story. Last year, uh, I was sitting up on the in the uh, like kind of like the champagne room on the balcony, looking over, and I was just talking. I don't probably talking to my wife or fiance at the moment, whatever. At the time, and then I, I somebody was trying to get my attention down below, and was like waving and like, hey, hey, and. And Boyd beelined to that person and said, hey, we're, we're having an auction here. And I, I I slowly backpedaled away from the edge of the balcony. I didn't want Boyd to see that he waving
0: at me. <laughs> so that was I wasn't you. waving at him.
1: That was I wasn't you. waving at him. That was
0: you. Huh? I,
1: I wasn't waving at him. He was waving at me. So I just wanted you to know that. I don't even like the guy, Boyd. So it wasn't me. I promise.
0: Okay. All right. Guys,
1: uh, I, I know it's like you said, it's your Super Bowl and it's uh, it's also, you know, from from a fan standpoint, uh, you know, I want to say thank you for putting on such a, a great party for all of us to attend that maybe aren't buying horses and uh, and wish you all the best of luck and, and hope the hammer drops in, in the ways that makes you guys happy and your customers happy, your buyers and your sellers. And uh, thanks again for putting on such a great party for us.
2: Well, it's always, we've all been kind of, the last week, we've really been in the, the mentality is that we're ready to get up there and do it again. So
0: now, and JK, appreciate, you know, you're, you know, you're part of what makes Saratoga special. Once again, it's like, it's a thousand people that contribute to making it special, your enthusiasm, your love for the racing, your love for the game, your enthusiasm. I mean, there's no doubt. This is your favorite six weeks of the year. Also. I mean, it's like, and we all feel that energy. We, and the cool thing is we all feed off of that. So we we look forward to seeing you. Uh, we really look forward to seeing G. Uh, but <laughs> we, that's not that's to be expected. Uh, but appreciate you having us on, and and hopefully, hope, hope Ray has a great Saratoga experience this year.
1: We'll see you guys Monday night.
0: All right. We'll so see Saturday, you. you're putting together the pick five, the late pick five for us.
1: I'll see you Saturday night. Everybody else will see you Monday.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right.
1: Thanks fellas. I, I appreciate you guys taking the time. I know that this is like you said, your Super is coming up and uh, you spent an hour with me uh, a week before that. And I appreciate that. Uh, excited to get people talking about the sale. Like I said, at the top, this is my favorite night uh, during, during the entire uh, eight week process here at Saratoga. And we're really looking forward to, to getting over there and, and uh, being involved in the best cocktail party and racing and, and seeing some of these fun horses. So I'm excited to watch this Beholder, this Curling Beholder. That's going to be a ton of fun. That'll be probably night two. I think Evan said uh, 119 hips will go through on night one. That hip is listed as 165, so we won't see that one until Tuesday night. You get there for both nights, bring your energy and uh, keep your hands in your pockets. I still always forget sometimes, but uh, like you said, they're professionals, the bid spotters. You, you should be able to shake loose there. Maybe just text people when you're trying to get their attention. Maybe that's the best way to go about it. I mean, unless you got a million laying around, but uh, I- I'd be careful there. But I want to thank them for taking the time. I want to thank Qatar Racing. Uh, I want let's let's we're rooting for you guys to, to let that, ha- that hammer drop. Uh, with with you being that high in number, we don't want to hear any of these underbitter stories. Uh, we want uh, our friends at Qatar Racing to continue to expand their uh, involvement here in the U.S. And if I'm not mistaken, I'm going to do this thing. I, I, I'm I, I'm I'm going to go fast here. I think they might have one in in the stake on. Uh, I'm not going to do this to you. Yes, I am. Just hold on. Just keep waiting. We could talk about something else for a second. Let's see here. Is it Friday or is it Saturday? I'm not, I can't remember now. It wouldn't be Saturday. Is it the Saratoga Oaks? Let's see. Is Caroline. Am I right here? No. I thought Caroline Street maybe had something to do with guitar. Fergus Galvin threw me off there. Um, Caroline Street Uh, Very interesting story there I'll tell everyone sometime Anyways, look, uh, we'll see you at the sale On uh, on Monday night We'll see you at the Whitney And uh, we'll, we'll see you at the sale on Tuesday night It's going to be a ton of fun The best weekend And two days after weekend in Saratoga I want to thank everyone in the Money Media Thanks PTF, thanks Drew Thanks to everyone else who has a show on the network Because I'm talking way too long I'm going to get out of here Got a big week of handicapping. There's pick six carry over on Wednesday as well. See you guys next week.
0: I need to know everything. Who in the what and the where I need everything. Trust me, I hear what you're saying, but I like it's new what you're telling me. I'm curious, George. I hop to the a five on a horse. I'm ready for war. I'm coming for throws to turn to a ghost. I need to know everything. Now you'd be surprised at the info you get is by letting them talk. So I'm letting them talk.